and turn to Acts chapter 3 tonight. We're going to look at Peter's second recorded sermon here in the book of Acts. We're going to look at verses 12 through 26 tonight. Acts 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 12 down to the end of the chapter. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we'd made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised up from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness, in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance she did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all the prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you, And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Let's pray together. Lord, what a powerful message. Lord, as the audience, the crowd, the congregation in the street, the tabernacle that day, Lord, as they saw something they could not understand, They saw a man made whole. They saw a man healed. Lord, I thank you that the greatest miracle is not the healing of the blind, is not the raising of the crippled, it's not the cleansing of the leper, it is not giving voice to the dumb. But Lord, the greatest miracle is the saving of the soul. Lord, I thank you for the message of Peter. I thank you, Lord, that the message is pertinent today. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we, as we break it apart a little bit. 
Lord, as we study it a little bit, and Lord, as we realize the, the, the goal of the church, the job of the church, and Lord, may we use this pattern you've given us effectively. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to, to receive your truth this evening. Lord, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go down below here for a minute and grab a water. Uh, as we look here in our passage, we see that this follows the lame man being healed. We look last week as Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have give I thee. Uh, he, he was healed, and after he was healed, everybody began to question. Uh, they began to ask a lot of questions. Uh, they were wondering what was going on there at Solomon's porch. Uh, they, they began to, uh, to question what had actually had happened. And we see Peter preach to them. He preached the gospel to them. Let me start tonight by saying preaching. Preaching is one of the primary tasks of the church. Yes, sir. That's one of the primary tasks of the church. You see the, the veering off today of... Uh, churches that are getting away from the Bible, and you find that preaching becomes very, very secondary. Uh, that's not the focus of the church. Matter of fact, so often it's almost put on the side, almost like a cherry on the Sunday. When in reality, as we look in the New Testament and we see the early church, we see that preaching uh, was not the only uh, job of the church, but one of the primary jobs of the local church is to preach. Christ. Now, that means that preachers and all who would pray for them and support them and encourage them and listen to them should deeply be interested in the purpose that God has for the church as we study this tonight. Uh, preachings often, as I mentioned, regarded as unimportant. Many things are put in its place. I remember my pastor for many years, when I was in Bible college, telling the story about his dad. His dad was a drunkard. His dad was lost and on his way to hell. He tried witnessing to his dad many, 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 many times. Tried asking his dad to come to church, and he said, finally, one time, only once in his entire life, his dad agreed to go to church with him. He was not a pastor at the time. He took him to his church as a teenager, I think he was. And they went to the church, and he said he, he went to the back door, and he was so excited that the gospel was going to be preached to his dad. He'd been praying his dad to get saved. And he said the pastor got up that morning and said, Folks, we're not having a preaching service this morning. We just have some, it was around Christmas time. He said, We're just having some Christmas music. He said they got up and sang some Christmas music and dismissed. Only time his dad ever went to church, never heard the gospel. Can I tell you, no matter whether that's someone's first time or their hundredth time, uh, the goal of the church is to get the gospel out. Amen. That's right. Amen. And we see the importance of preaching in the Bible. Uh, we see Peter here preaching. By the way, Peter wasn't preaching in a building. Peter wasn't preaching uh, even at a regular organized time uh, for the church to gather. Uh, it was whenever there was an opportunity, when we'll talk about that just in a moment, Faithful preaching, and get this statement tonight, faithful preaching is communicating divine truth through human personality 
and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, ultimately, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but I love the fact that God uses different personalities. I love the fact that God uses different people. I love the fact that every preacher is not the same, and they don't have to be the same. Uh, God uses each person. I think of Paul and Apollos. There was a, a bit of a struggle. We're going to talk about that a little bit Sunday night. Uh, but, you know, they were different people. But they both were preaching the gospel. Uh, they had different personalities. They had different teaching styles. They had different preaching styles. But they were preaching Christ and had the same Holy Spirit. Now, Peter here, we have the recording of his message here in Acts chapter 3. The church's commission. And if you have a pen, I'll give you some verses to write down and look at later. The church's commission is to preach the gospel. That's Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We have been commissioned to do so. Bon, as your mom ever said to you, go clean your room? You ever heard those words? Have you ever heard those words and not cleaned your room? Now, I'm going to ask them right now. Have you ever disobeyed your mom? He was commissioned, but he didn't do it. That's why the side of his head is kind of flat, because a cast iron skillet hit him right there. Now, God commissioned the local church to carry the gospel, to preach Christ. By the way, preaching is how faith is awakened in the lost. So, Pastor, how do you know that? Because the book of Romans tells us so. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and it goes on to say, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? It is the necessity, uh, that's Romans chapter 10, 17, if you want to write that down, the necessity laid upon the preacher uh, of the gospel we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to turn there very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, this is Paul, I have nothing to glory of, for the necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. By the way, speaking of not preaching the gospel, you ever heard of a man named Jeremiah? Not the bullfrog, but the prophet. Uh, he wasn't a very good friend of yours either. But Jeremiah the prophet he was out preaching every day. Colton and uh, Josh, Colton did for two summers. Josh for one summer were part of uh, a ministry in New York, New York City ministering to the Jews. And I could be wrong, Colton, but you probably didn't have people chasing you down the street and say, hey, can you tell me the message about the Messiah? That, that ever happened to you? Did you ever get to someone's house and say, hey, I want to give you this. Oh, man, I've been waiting for you to come. Come in and tell me about Jesus. That didn't happen to you in New York City. For two summers, I'll tell you what did happen. <laughs> we don't want you here. Get out of here. We don't want to hear about Jesus every day. Every day. Imagine Jeremiah. Before Jeremiah even went out, God said, Jeremiah, no one's going to listen to you. I'd have been like, God, if no one's going to listen, <laughs> what's the point? Every day he got up. I'm, it wasn't like, man, I hope today. I'm sure Colton, as you and I, that man, I hope we find somebody. Somebody's going to listen. Jeremiah, when he got up, he went, ain't nobody going to listen. And he got up, and he got up, and he preached out on the street. He was a street preacher because nobody nobody gave him a place to be. They, they, he preached on that corner. People walk around on this corner. I don't want to hear that old crazy man. 
Finally, Jeremiah said, I'm done. He said, God, I'm finished. I'm not preaching anymore. I'm not speaking anymore. And God took a, a scroll and he made Jeremiah eat the scroll. Reminds me of a little kid. Uh, his name was Junior. He was about this big. You ever seen the Tasmanian Devil cartoon show? Junior was kind of like the Tasmanian Devil in human flesh. He was about this big. He was a maniac, psychopath. Uh, the only person in the whole world that little kid ever loved or ever obeyed was my sister, Robin. And on my bus route in Chicago one day, the first time we walked in his family's house to share the gospel, my buddy's holding a New Testament, a little small New Testament in his hand. We're walking in the house to sit down and try to share the gospel with his family. That boy runs up and bites a chunk. And I don't mean a few pages. He bit a chunk out of that Bible and took off running. I'll never forget the next Sunday he came to church, and he was a he was the Tasmanian devil in human flesh. I picked him up when he got on the bus, and I carried him, and I set him on my sister's lap. I said, here, you sit with Miss Robin. And that little demon child that I'm sure was spawned by hell itself uh, just smiled and fell in love with my sister. But that little guy ate the word of God. Uh, we went home that night. We're looking at the Bible, man. A giant piece is missing. And I said, man, I hope it burns in his belly. Uh, but Jeremiah ate the word of God. And the Bible says it burned in his bones that he could not shut up. He had to preach. Preaching is the job of the local church. Getting the gospel out. Jeremiah, Jeremiah wasn't preaching the gospel. Jeremiah was preaching the judgment of God, but he was carrying out the message that he had to preach. The message you and I have to preach today is a message of hope, a message of the gospel, a message of redemption, a message of the completion uh, for salvation. And it went forth here. Peter preached the gospel. And we see that. Preaching is the means of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 the history of the early church, and by the way, we're looking at that history right now. The book of Acts is a history book. It is a history book of the early church. As we see the gospel going forth, it demonstrates the importance of preaching. We saw Peter's sermon here. We're going to talk about it just for a moment, verses 12 through 26. Number one tonight, I want to see the occasion. Now, we see in the book of Acts that there was preaching at particular times. Uh, we see that the early church were together on the Lord's Day. Uh, they didn't gather on the Sabbath. Now, they may have come together to fellowship, but, as, but the ordinary plan of the local church was they were together on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, the day the Lord rose from the dead. And we see regular preaching. We see meetings happening. Uh, but the case here, we see preaching as an opportunity that arose, and Peter took the opportunity to share Christ. I told the story to you several months ago, but when I took my English proficiency test for the, uh, for the Canadian government, they give every one of you, if you've taken those tests, they give you a practice question. And you have to go through the practice question, and then they have the real questions. And the practice question, I'm in a room with 12 or 14 people and, and an instructor. The practice question was to speak. I was, at, I was to be recorded be speaking. And I was the very first person to that portion. So 
Nobody in the room was speaking. The room is dead quiet. I'm the only one at that portion yet. No one had even gotten close to that section yet. And I was supposed to speak and tell someone about my best friend, one of my best friends. And I start, I'm trying, what am I going to do? And I thought, man, this is like a, for the mother, it's like somebody putting a baseball on a tee and getting a professional baseball pitcher, uh, player to hit the ball out of the park. And I, for five minutes, whatever it was, I, I talked about Jesus Christ being my Savior. And I saw people looking around. I saw the instructors staring me down. And I thought to myself, somebody has to listen to this. Uh, the people in the room, somebody's going to listen to this. I had, an op- I had an occasion, man. I'm going to speak for Christ. Peter had an occasion to preach. He had an occasion to share Christ. Uh, in verses 1 through 11, we, we recall last week how there was an opportunity. Silver and gold have I none. What I have give I unto thee. Uh, he healed this man. You can imagine this guy was known. Uh, he, he's there with his cup, you know, alms, alms. And all of a sudden he's walking. Now one or two things would happen. Either you're going to want to go up and punch the guy in the face and say, you're a liar and a deceiver. You could walk the whole time. <laughs> I gave you money every day I came by. I gave you a coin. and Man, you're just scamming. Or you realize something supernatural has happened. And you got some questions. You got some questions because maybe you've got a family member that has some problems. Maybe you yourself have some problems. And you go, man, I got to find out what happened here because this is supernatural. There was an opportunity and an occasion for Peter to preach. Christian, can I encourage you to take every opportunity, every occasion God gives you to speak for him? Whether that be in a large setting or one-on-one. Whether that be in a, a, a church service or whether that be in a lunchroom at work. Or whether it be in a gas station parking lot or across, across a Timmy's table. Take every opportunity to speak for Christ. We see that Peter took the opportunity. He presented the gospel message. Uh, can I tell you how often Peter preached? What was the schedule? Every time he had a chance. Every time he had a chance. Every time he had a chance. I preached when I was a teenager. We were without a pastor for almost a year in our church, and I preached quite a bit then. I preached in nursing homes as a teenager, preached in our church. Then I went to Bible college, and I thought, man, I hope I get to preach, you know, once a year, maybe. And uh, it wasn't long till I was preaching one, two, three times a week. And there was times when I was serving the ministry in college that six or seven times a week I was preaching. It was just opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I didn't say, you know what, I'm, I've already preached three times this week. I'm, I'm done now. Oh, no, I have, I've already hit my quota. I've got to stop. No, every opportunity. I believe Peter preached every opportunity he had. And we see the occasion was, it was an opportunity. An opportunity to share Christ, an opportunity to preach the gospel. He had an opportunity to communicate and take divine truths and weave them by the help of the Holy Spirit through the roadblocks into the heart of people who had rejected Christ, who had just cried weeks before, crucify him. So, Pastor, how do you know those people said that? Because that's who Peter was talking to. Peter said, you wouldn't let him go. You asked for Barabbas rather than Jesus. Peter accused them. He knew who they were. He saw their faces in the crowd. By the way, Peter was in that crowd. 
And we see here Peter took the opportunity. 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn there quickly, hold your place. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 5. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as appear in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Paul said, hey, Timothy, even when people don't want to hear it, preach. Preach the truth. Number one, the occasion. It was an opportunity. An opportunity. Number two, turn back to Acts 3. I want you to notice the directness of Peter's preaching. The directness of Peter's preaching. You know, when you go hunting, Brother Darren will tell you this is true. If there's a couple deer standing over there, Brother Darren gets his gun out. The deer are probably safe. Uh, he gets the gun out. I'm after you next. And he gets his gun out and he says, oh, this kind of, I'll shoot at those deer. Brother Darren just kind of points his gun in the direction of the deer, general vicinity. That's what he normally does. And squeezes the trigger. The deer are probably going to be safe. Probably going to make it. They're probably going to tell the story. Do you see that guy with that curly mustache and that beard uh, waddle out of the truck and come after us? Uh, they'll tell the story to their great-grandkids. But if Brother Darren looks and says, there's a couple of deer there, I'm going to aim right behind the shoulder of that deer on the right. I'm going to hold right on that hair, right there on the corner of the shoulder. And <laughs> there's a chance he might hit it. Uh, much more of a chance than if he just kind of shoots in the direction, <laughs> the direction of the deer. Can I tell you, Peter didn't just preach in the direction Rather, there was a directness, a directness in the preaching of Peter. And I want you to notice this here. Notice how quickly Peter applied his message to the hearers. Notice he said in verse 12, He answered the people, Ye men of Israel. He said, Hey guys, I'm one of you. I'm going to talk to you because I know you. I know who you are. I'm one of you. I'm a man of Israel. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Hebrew. He said, I'm talking to you. We see him approaching, proclaiming, and applying the truth to the people he was talking to. He was not firing at random. He was not pointing in a general direction. We see some specificness. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, if you look back just a page, it says, for the promise is unto you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If we skip over to Acts chapter 13 and verse number 26, the Bible says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation. Remember Nathan the prophet? I talked about him Sunday. 
Nathan the prophet when he came to David, King David. We're not talking about shepherd boy David here. We're not talking about just the slayer of Goliath. We're talking about the king of Israel. When Nathan the prophet came to David, and he told David the story, he said, hey, if there's a shepherd uh, that has so many sheep, and, and he goes over to a guy that has one sheep and takes that sheep, what should be done to him? And David's mad. David said, let me get a hold of him. You bring him to me, and I'll, I'll tune him up. Nathan pointed his finger and said, Thou art the man. David, it's you. I'll never forget, years ago, as a Bible college student, I had a missionary from India, a missionary pastor, national pastor from India. I can tell the story. He'll never hear this, I'm sure. Uh, from India came. He came to visit our church and ministry. One of the men, the man in charge of the bus ministry he sent word to me. He said, Brian, I want you to take this man with you. He knew that the area that I ministered in, I had people from all over the world. And I, we didn't bring, I don't think at the time, any families from India, but I had, a, I had an area where I had several folks from India on my bus route. And he said, hey, take this missionary pastor with you. <laughs> take him soul winning with you. Take him into Indian neighborhood. You know, try to share Christ. So I took this guy with me. His name was Joseph Robert Garakamukula. I don't know how I can still remember that, but I can. Uh, Joseph Robert Garakamukula. And Mr. Garakamukula, Pastor Garakamukula went with me and my friend, my friend whose Bible got <laughs> bitten by the little crazy guy. Matter of fact, we went to that little crazy guy's house that day. And I took him with me. We went in some Indian neighborhoods and tried to share Christ. And we had a good time sharing the gospel. And I asked a lot of questions. I was a young guy. And now, he was a veteran missionary, and we were driving back to the church Saturday evening. Our pastor was having a, uh, a class, teaching a class. We called preacher's Saturday night class, and um, Pastor Garakamukula was with me, and we were taking him there, and he asked me a question I'll never forget, and he said to me, my pastor was uh, Dr. Jack Hiles at the time, and he said to me, what do you think Brother Hiles would do if his wife was smoking cigars? That's a weird question, isn't it? And I looked at Pastor Garakamukula, and I said, Pastor Garakamukula, you don't have to worry about that. I said, there's no chance that Mrs. Hiles is smoking cigars. And he said to me, I was not talking about Pastor Hiles' wife. And I realized, Miss Lois, he was trying to get me to help him get his wife to stop smoking cigars. I don't know if she still smokes cigars or not. Uh, but he finally got to that point. He was very direct. How do I get her to stop smoking cigars? Can I tell you that Peter was very direct in presenting Christ? Very direct. He was direct in saying, hey, this is for you. This message is for you. We see the directness. Uh, we see that uh, direction going that way. Number three, not only the directness, but we see the relevance. Number three, the relevance. How carefully God gave to Peter to relate his message to the people. By the way, remember, Peter's not a skillful orator. P Peter's not a, a great speaker. Peter's a fisherman. Peter's a blowhard. Uh, Peter's a guy with a hot temper. 
uh, who will fight at the drop of a hat and will drop his own hat to start the fight. He, he's a rough man. He's a hard man. He, he's an uneducated man. And yet we see that Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, skillfully got to their wavelength. Who did he talk about? Abraham. Abraham. <laughs> he said, hey, let's talk about what you know. Let's go where we can agree here. I learned very quickly when I began to minister in a Catholic area in Chicago, where I grew up, there's almost no, you ask my mom and dad, there's very few Catholics. Very, very, very few. Tiny little Catholic church. Most of the people that attend that church are folks that are not from our area. It's very, very small population. Very small. I went to Chicago, one of the largest Catholic dioceses in the world. I never talked to Catholics before. You know one thing I learned that I loved about talking to Catholics? Number one, Catholics. Brother Bonnie, you can back me up on this. Catholics don't know what they believe. Most Catholics go to church two times a year. Uh, they'll tell you they're Catholic because their mom and dad were Catholic. Uh, that's about it. But if you, if you pin them down, they believe a few things. They believe the Bible is the Word of God. They believe that Jesus is the virgin-born Son of God. They believe Jesus died on the cross. They believe Jesus was buried. They believe he rose again. Man, I got some solid foundation to talk with a Catholic. <laughs> I can say, hey, can I open the Bible and share what the Bible says? You and I believe the Bible. We believe it's the Word of God. I say, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Absolutely, I believe that. You believe he's virgin-born? Absolutely. You believe he's a Savior? Absolutely. I've got some common ground to start a conversation with the gospel. And here we see that Peter goes to common ground and relevance. Here as he mentions Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in verse 13. We see him mention the prophets in verse 18. Then we see in verses 22, he goes to Moses. I mean, he's pulling everything together, the common ground, to preach to them Christ. To explain to them these things that you know when you already believe, they were pointing to Jesus. He is the Messiah. And we see the relevance here as he's sharing the gospel with them. His hearers, by the way, were familiar with the things Peter was speaking about. Now, Brother Mob went out on the street on White Ave tonight. He started preaching. He started preaching, talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. The drunks coming out of the bars on White Ave, I go, man, what, what in the world is he talking about? They wouldn't have a clue. Uh, he, he wouldn't gather many people there that would say, man, I'm going to listen to this because I, yeah, I know Abraham. I mean, sure, we know him. Uh, we know, oh yeah, oh yeah, we know Moses. Let's listen to this. Rather, Peter here was, was grabbing them with a relevant message. We need to preach in a way that will be understood. Understood. I've heard it said that you got to put the cookies in the bottom shelf. You know, I, I've, I've known some men who were intellectuals. I'm not one of them. I've known some that were intellectuals that had an amazing command of the English language that knew words that I'd have to use Google to find out. But what do they mean by that? When I've heard them preach the gospel, they didn't use those words because they wouldn't be effective. They're preaching to common men in a common tongue of the common gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's still needed today. Still needed today. Number four, the heart, the heart, the central theme of Peter's message. If we're going to get to the heart of it, 
What's the center of it? God's love and God's grace revealed. This message we see here in chapter 3 of Acts, God's love and God's grace revealed in his son Jesus Christ. That's the message. It was not a message of just condemnation. Now, there was condemnation of sin. There was a call to repentance. But can I tell you, it was a message of grace. It was a message of love of God. It was a message uh, of his son Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, very quickly, very quickly, Quickly, in Peter's message, he ran to Jesus Christ. If you, he started preaching in verse 12. He answered the people. It starts here, ye men of Israel. Can I tell you that the very next verse, Peter runs to Jesus Christ. Peter ran quickly to Christ. We need to get the message to Jesus quickly. The heart of the message should be Christ. The names he gives to the Lord. Number one in verse 13, we see the word his son, Jesus. I mean, there's no question where he's going with that. We can look at first John, or, I'm sorry, John 1, 1 and 2, John 1, 14, Matthew 1, 21. We see number two, the holy one and the just in verse 14. Just, by the way, you'll notice it's capitalized. It's a person. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. His friends and enemies, angels, demons, himself, all of those, the testimony of all those folks, finally where he's God. He's just. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Number three in verse 15, we see Peter called him the prince of life. The prince of life. Notice the phrase, and killed the prince of life. Peter here declared Jesus came to give you life. He's declaring Christ for who he is, a Savior. And his death gives eternal life. Number four in verse 18, Peter uses the word Christ. Can I tell you when Peter said Christ, that word cut hard. That word cut hard to the men of Israel. Peter said He's the Messiah. The one you say you're looking for. The one you say you worship. That's who it was. That's who he is. And he's alive. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. That is his title. We see him called Jesus Christ in verse 20. Just in case there's any question. The anointed Savior uh, in chapter 4 and verse 12 of Acts, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Verse 26, we see again, His Son, Jesus. In verse 26, we have the wonder of deity and humanity. The beautiful picture of a Savior become flesh and dwell amongst us. Can I tell you that's the preacher's message? That ought to be our message as we share Christ. Well, the message of Christ's incarnation, that God came, that he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The message of his crucifixion, that he died for us. The message of the resurrection, the message of the glorification. We see that, verse 15, verse 26, verse 13. That was the message of Peter. The heart of it was Jesus. 
who he was, why he came, what he did, what he offers. The message of Christ. Number five, in our hurry here, we see the challenge. I want you to see here that Peter's message or his attitude was not take it or leave it. Peter didn't say, okay, I want to get this off my chest. If you like it, I don't care. If you don't like it, I don't care. It wasn't take it or leave it. That wasn't Peter's attitude in his preaching. Peter's attitude in his preaching was, you're guilty and you have to do something about it. Like I'm preaching to you, I'm sharing with you the only answer, and you have, you have to do something about it. Peter didn't say, hey, I'm just going to get it out here. I'm mad at you, what you've done. I'm going to get it off my chest, and I don't care if you go to hell or not. That wasn't Peter's preaching. Peter's preaching was, this is the answer. This is, they face the reality of your sin, face the reality that Jesus is the answer, and trust Christ. Amen. Verse 19, repent ye therefore, and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 26, unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Peter preached, repent and be converted. Peter preached that they had to respond. The message of Christ has to be responded to. It has to be responded to by a lost world. Quickly, we see the urgency in verse 23. Number six, the urgency. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will hear not that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. It was a matter of life and death. Peter's preaching was a matter of life and death. He reminded them of the solemn danger of rejecting God's message. There's only two classes of people, saved and lost. Most of the saying is good and bad. We're all bad. We're all sinners. Saved and lost. Only two destinations, heaven and hell. There's no halfway. There's no multiple choice. It's one or the other. There's no in-between. There's no almost or I'm, I'm just all, I'm about there. It's either saved or lost. Heaven or hell. Forgiven or unforgiven. Two ways, two destinies. Number seven, quickly, and we'll close with this. We see the preacher. We'll see the preacher. I know we've been looking at Peter a lot in our adult Sunday school. We've talked a lot about Peter. He was born again. He was fishing one day when Jesus came by, and Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. His brother Andrew came and said, Peter, you know, we, we've been a whole life. We've been looking for the Messiah and praying about the Messiah. That's him. Peter, we found him. We found the Messiah. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Peter said, To whom would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter knew who Jesus was. He was a believer. He was a born-again man. Peter was a spirit-filled man. He was a Bible-believing man. Peter believed Jesus Christ. Peter took the message Jesus gave him. the side of the seashore as Jesus said Peter do you love me feed my sheep Peter do you love me 
feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Three times gave Peter a chance to say, I love you. Once for every time he denied him. Peter took the message. He was preaching the message of Christ. He was a believer in Christ. Was he perfect? <laughs> Absolutely not. Was he a sinner? Yeah, sure he was. Did he do some stupid stuff? Yeah, he did. Did he fall? Oh, yeah, he fell. But Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, I want you to notice. We'll notice just three things quickly here in this text. 2 in chapter 3 and 1 in verse 20. Verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being about the ninth hour. Can I tell you why Peter and John were going up? They were going to pray. Peter, the preacher, was a man of prayer. A man of prayer. Verse 12, When Peter saw it, he answered the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? Can I tell you that Peter was a reliable man? Peter was reliable. He said, you know, okay, I'm, somebody's got to talk to these folks. Somebody's got to speak to them. John was there. I don't know about you, but I, I'm guessing John was a, a better speaker. I don't know, John just, when I read about John in the Bible, I, I just envision John having a, a little better, cleaner, softer, more effective speech than Peter. But Peter was reliable. Peter was ready to give answer for Christ. He was there. He fulfilled the purpose. And look lastly in verse chapter 20, verse 27. As we think about the preacher here that we read the message of, Peter, who had denied the Lord, Peter, who now is following Christ, Peter, who would be used mightily in the book of Acts, Peter and Paul, we see the two main characters we're going to notice recurring in the book of Acts. Acts 20, verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare, to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Can I tell you when Peter stood on Pentecost and preached, when he stood and Solomon's porch to preach, he stood with boldness. He said, men and brethren, you killed the prince of life. He called them out, called out the sin. He proclaimed Christ as the Messiah. He was bold. He was courageous. But he was also faithful. He was faithful. He said in verse 27, it says, I've not shunned to declare unto you all, all the counsel of God. He was just faithful. Just faithful. Christian, if the job, one of the main jobs of the church is to preach the gospel, if one of the main jobs of the local church is to share Christ, then we all need to be faithful servants to help do the job of local church, to help do that job. I took a guy in two years ago. He was with me, and he had an injury, and he was injured in a very delicate part of his body. 
And he asked me to take him to a Medi Center. And I was a couple years to Canada. I haven't been there a long time. And I don't even know if I've been to a Medi Center yet. I probably hadn't. And I thought, oh, I think I know where one's at. I took him in. And we go inside. And he goes up to the counter. And he's telling the lady at the counter <coughs> he needs to see a doctor. And she said, well, sir, what do you need? And he begins to explain a very delicate medical situation he had going on in very much detail. And after he explains all this, he's, he's embarrassed to explain why he needs to see the doctor. The lady looks at him and says, sir, this is a dental clinic. I thought he was going to kill me. He thought I did that on purpose. I did not. The job of that place wasn't to help the medical problem he had. The job of that place was to fix your teeth. And he didn't have a tooth problem. Christian, the job of the church is to preach Christ. That's right. Amen. Amen. But you go in most churches, you might as well be going to the dentist office. We need to make sure we keep that the focus. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful in sharing Christ in our community, in our world, in our city. Lord, I pray you bless us as we continue to work our way through this blessed book. Lord, as we see the gospel like a fire going forth from Jerusalem and spreading across the known world. As we see faithful servants like Peter and John. Faithful servants like the Apostle Paul. Preaching Christ. Preaching the gospel in different places, to different cultures, to different people, meeting them where they are. Lord, I pray that we would see that pattern. Lord, I pray that we will be a part of the gospel going forth today. Lord, I believe if you were still adding to the Bible, if it was not complete and finished as it is, Lord, I believe today that you would want us to be a part of the, the book of Acts as it would continue. And God, help us as a church to carry on the gospel, to carry on the message. And bless us now, dismiss us with your grace. In your precious name we pray, amen.